1: And good morning, I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on April 19th, 1775, the American Revolutionary War began with battles at Lexington and Concord. It was said to be the shot heard round the world. Somebody fired an indiscriminate shot, and the rest is history. Today in 1865 a funeral was held at the White House for President Abraham Lincoln. his coffin was then taken to the US Capitol for a private uh, memorial service in the Rotunda. Today in 1912 a special subcommittee of the Senate Commerce Committee opened hearings in New York They looked in they were going to look into and did the Titanic disaster the sinking of the Titanic ship. Today, in 1943, during World War II, tens of thousands of Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto began a valiant but ultimately futile battle against Nazi forces. I can't see that or read it or hear it in the news without remembering. I've met some of the families whose grandparents were uh, among those Jews who stood against the Nazi forces. They were crushed. Many of them escaped into the sewers, literally, in the Warsaw Ghetto area of Warsaw, Poland. They escaped into the sewers. They would take the, the manhole lid, cover off, and go down into the sewers and live there, sometimes for an extended period of time, and uh, to escape uh, being either killed or sent to the concentration camps. It was a very, very sad day. Now there's a, that area there where, where all this happened, today is a there's shops and it's kind of a commercial area but it tells the story and there's some um, as I recall there's some castings you know like bronze castings full size of Jewish people going in actually shows them how they were going into the sewers to live and so it's, it's a very tragic tragic story but that uh, began today in 1943. Today, in 1977, the Supreme Court, in Ingram v. Wright, they ruled 5-4 to four that even severe spanking of school children by faculty members did not violate the Eighth Amendment ban against cruel and unusual punishment. Can you even imagine? Let's not even go there. Today, in 1993, today, I've got to go there. Today... Today, if you call some kid by the wrong pronoun, you'll lose your job <laughs> in public education. And these kids are the product of public education. Boy, what a, what a web we weave. Today in uh, 1993, the 51-day siege at Branch Davidian Compound near Waco, Texas, it ended Fire uh, destroyed the structure after federal agents began smashing their way in. Janet Reno, Bill Clinton's girl, lady, Attorney General, she ordered that. It was a disaster. It was a debacle. Um, not that I support the Branch Davidian. I mean, it was a cult. But good grief. The government went in, and they had been uh, there had been a standoff there for 51 days. The government went in. I remember it well. I was stunned by it. I, I, I mean, they needed to be a, this addressed, but this David Koresh was—he was a cult leader. There's no question about that. But man, when you see the federal government bashing into this complex out of Waco, out there, I think it was out in the country, kind of as I recall. It just—I mean, you. you when you've seen pictures like that on the other side of the world, you, you never thought you would see that in the U.S., but the government decided to attack these people that were living there in this compound, and um, about 80 people were killed that day, including two dozen children, and the leader of the cult or the sect, David Corish, were killed. I don't support at all what they were doing, but my goodness, that was hard to watch and hard to believe back in the day. Interestingly enough and sadly, two years later to the day, today in nineteen ninety five, a trunk a truck bomb destroyed the Alfred Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City, it killed one hundred and sixty eight people. Timothy McVeigh, remember him? Prosecutors said he had planned the attack as revenge for the Waco siege of two years earlier. He was convicted of federal murder charges and executed in 2001. Five years ago today, Fox News Channel's parent company fired Bill O'Reilly. That was a big deal. They fired him over harassment allegations. He was cable news' most popular program at the time. Speaking of popular, President Joe Biden reportedly feels he's very popular. He's ignoring the polls. But he told... Remember we saw Barack Obama at the White House the other day and he made a comment that he's going to be spending more time there. Um, He was not really with Joe Biden, but apparently they got together privately. Barack was with the crowd and he was going around shaking hands and people were kind of crowding around him. And President Biden... uh, There was a, a very sad video that got out and many perhaps many of you saw it. I, I did. I think I might have mentioned it on this program. It was it was sad, really, uh, for anyone to see, but President Biden was kind of standing, looking a little bit lo- uh, confused, honestly, very confused, to be honest, uh, at the whole group, and nobody was talking to him, and he was kind of wandering around, and he turned to the left and to the right, and he was alone, and as though he was looking for someone to talk to. And in, in the video, he never found anyone to talk to. But, I mean, obviously he did talk to people at this, this social gathering at the White House. But Barack Obama was the rock star and he was moving around the crowd and they were flocking around him. But it was at the, on that day that Barack Obama and President Biden got together. And now people that were with them in the media, in the Oval Office or wherever they got together, um they're saying that Barack Obama told, told or Joe Biden told Barack Obama that he's definitely running for reelection in 2024. Uh, there's a number of news stories out there, but they all read pretty much the same this morning. Despite his low approval rating, Biden believes he is the only Democrat who can defeat Donald Trump if he also decides to run. Biden's plans Biden plans to campaign for a second term. Uh, he confirmed that and confirmed his previous statements a year ago when he said he was going to run. He said, told Barack Obama he is going to run. If Biden does run, uh, several of these news uh, stories that I've seen are pretty much saying the same thing. But they're all noting that he'll be in his early 80s, an age that, uh, given his condition, I, I I mean I don't think anyone I don't think anyone thinks that's probably a good idea. Uh, on the left, it, it may not be a bad idea for those on the right, actually, but I thought it wasn't a bad idea when he ran the first time, but uh, 83 million votes, I, I don't think so. But anyway, he said, I believe uh, one of the guys uh, that was in the meeting with him told the press, he said, I believe he thinks he's the only one who can beat Trump. I don't think he thinks that there's anyone in the Democratic Party who can beat Trump, and that's the biggest factor, um this guy was in in a meeting with them. Another person said that he wants to run. He's clearly letting everyone know. Biden claimed a year ago in March uh, of 2021 that he intends to run. And that has created a dilemma, they are saying, for those in the Democratic Party who are wanting to run, like Vice President Kamala Harris and uh, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, they both want to run for president apparently. I haven't spoken to either of them lately, but uh, I guess they want to run for president. So that's creating a bit of a problem for them because they can't start campaigning. I'm just wondering, I I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just wondering, it crossed my mind, is Joe Biden really going to run or is he just saying that to hold back these people that want to run like Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg and whomever else? Uh, just to kind of put them on hold uh, over the next 12 or 14 months or so, and in the end not run, I don't know. But what I do know is that in the course of human events, God is in control. One of the couples that regularly support this ministry and have for years sent this verse with their check that arrived at our office yesterday Psalm 84:11 for the lord god is a sun and shield the lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly that's a tremendous promise of god and we live on the promises of god we live on the hope and with the hope of the word of god god does not fail his word is always true because it is eternal it is infallible it is the truth upon which we base our lives the truth of god's word i want to thank you for your support to all of you who do we we need your help we need you to stand with us during times our our culture is transitioning in and out of certain things and inflation and all the, this stuff is going on. We're all very aware of it. We talk about it on this program daily, but uh, this, pro- to continue this program, we need that monthly support, and it's important, uh, obviously, and if it isn't there, then we're not here. But I, I don't believe that God is through with this yet, and, and we're not at that point at all, but I'm just encouraging you to stand with us And to support us, and particularly those of you who are listening on KPDQ out of Portland, we need your help. We're not quite up to budget. We didn't expect to be. Other listeners of this program on other stations gave the money up front. I asked for it, and they gave it so that we could be on that area of Oregon, Portland, Salem, the coast, and so on, and all of southwest, pretty much all of southwest Washington. I know you're listening, Because I'm hearing stuff from people say, yeah, they've been listening and so on. We just need your support. And some of you are. I'm not suggesting we're not getting support. We're just not quite up to budget. It's a very expensive budget. So thank you for standing with us. And I'm not going to talk about this much more in the days to come, except just to say, please stand with us. And thank you in advance, because I know you will. I just feel it in my heart. So thanks so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website. It's FaithAndFreedomAndFreedom.us, and, and uh, you can contribute online. There's a little tab there, and you can click it and make a contribution. Many many do. In fact, there's a growing number that are doing that. But whatever works for you, we are grateful deeply grateful. Thank you so much. Whether Elon Musk ultimately wants to buy Twitter or not, he's done the world an invaluable service. And as I said, when I mentioned this for the first time when this news broke, what was it, last week, I think, um, he's trying to buy Twitter and he's worth hundreds of billions of dollars. He can easily write the check. But the board has now said, no, they don't want to sell it. And he offered him a very strong premium on all the stock. And uh, it was a, I don't know, $40, $50 billion buy, 30, $30 to 50 somewhere in there. But it's interesting what has this has brought to the surface. And again, Elon Musk is a guy I don't fully understand. I mean, he's all over the place uh, with kind of his thinking and the things he does and says and all of that. But we've been watching this carefully because it has an impact on so many people. But. It's interesting that whether, I mean, I don't think that was his motive in this, but it has brought to the surface some things that you and I have known and we've talked about on this program so often and will continue to. And that is the fact that, that he, he's, done a, he's done a great service. He's forced the leftists on the board of Twitter to admit, and the other social media outlets as well, that they're incredibly biased. And they're given to censorship of anybody and anything that they don't agree with. And there's nothing that terrifies them more than the thought of people having freedom of speech. And that's what Musk is pushing for. He's saying, you guys have censored all these people. I don't even know. I don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat. I don't know what he is. But he's saying, you guys have censored all these people. And he said, where's the platform for free speech? And, and, And he's the guy that... Anybody could say that, but when this guy says it, he can write the check to buy them out. And he's offering to do that. And it's a very uncomfortable situation for the board, obviously. And they're not wanting to do it. They're putting their agenda above the best interest, financial interests of the company, which leftists always do, particularly if it's a publicly owned company. They don't care about the stockholders first and foremost. What they care about is pushing their agenda. Look at Disney. That's a prime example of that. So anyway, as as Musk has tried to buy out this company, the whole thing is kind of blowing up. And it's like, well, boy, you guys really are committed to censorship, aren't you? And the answer is, yes, we are. Uh, And they don't even have to say the words because it's become so evident. They seem to believe that despite the massive evidence to the contrary, that their opinions are kind of a objective truth, and that's what the left believes. They believe that if I believe something, there that makes it true. And this has happened, this whole process, as they've removed God from God's rightful place on his throne, as we Christians say, and the Bible says, when you remove God from his rightful place and say, no, God's words are not the truth, they are maybe somebody's truth, but what I believe is my truth, and my truth is as valuable as God's truth, or Harry's truth over here, or Joe Biden's truth, or whatever, and that's what secular progressivism has been doing over the last generation or two in America, in our culture. It's a form of Marxism. We call it cultural Marxism. I mean, a number of people call it that, not just me. But I use that term because that's what it is. It's cultural Marxism. And it fulfills many of the goals of Marxism, which is ultimate destruction, under the guise of being free and and having rights under the, quote, Constitution, and so on. So that's the kind of a world we live in. And with that in mind... I want to talk about a victory. I know 99.9% of you listening today, more and more are listening online, but most of you aren't living in Ohio. Maybe some are. If you are, I'd like to hear from you. But um, I want to talk to you about a victory in in Ohio. A public university in Ohio has agreed to pay $400,000 to a a philosophy professor who refused to use a student's preferred pronouns. You know the drill. This boy gets up. He's been indoctrinated for weeks on end in public education. He gets up some morning. He goes, you know, I feel like a girl today. Or he says, I think I'm going to be a girl today. And I think I'm going to hang out in the girl's bathroom and the girl's shower. I'm not overstating. That's the way it works. Anyway, he uh, refused to use the pronouns in the class. This professor. He said, no, I'll call you by your name if you want me to. He was very respectful to the kid. Anyway, the university did what every public education institution does. If the radical left or the anti-Christian voices threaten them, they cave. They always cave to the left. And they threaten or punish the accused, whether they're guilty or not. But a three-judge panel has said, uh, no, this time we're not going to cave. A federal uh, a Federal judges. We're not going to cave. So to me, if you care about freedom, and I do, and I know you do, it it sort of made me feel good, to be honest with you. I mean, I thought, boy, that's great. That's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, that's constitutional. But during this political philosophy class back in, got to go back to January 2018 is when it first happened, but it was just decided just like the last couple of days here, but this Shawnee State University professor, it's a state university in Ohio, his name is Nick Merriweather, uh, the professor, Dr. Nick Merriweather. He responded to this biological male student's question in class by saying, yes, sir. The, the professor said to the kid, when the class ended, the student confronted Merriweather. The student claimed to be transgender, and he he was to be referred to as a woman. He said, don't ever refer to me as sir or any." male pronoun and blah, blah, blah. He said, I am feminine titles and pronouns and all this kind of thing. Well, the, the professor said, well, I don't think I can do that. He said, that's against my religious views. He said, I don't believe there's all these other versions of male and female. You're either male or you're female. And he said, that's my religious view. But he said, I'll be happy to call you by your name, your legal name. No, that wasn't enough. So anyway, the kid continued, and uh, he, he threatened in front of the class, I guess, or some of the students at least, he threatened to get Meriwether fired. So he immediately filed a complaint with the university, which triggered a formal investigation of the professor, Meriwether, and the incident. Meriwether said the pronouns would force him to speak and act, he said on the record, contrary to his own Christian convictions and philosophical beliefs. He also offered to address the student by his first name, as I said, and he put all this in writing. But in the blink of an eye, Shawnee State University did what taxpayer-funded, government-run schools almost always do. They just caved to the left. They rejected Meriwether's offer to call the kid by his name, legal name, and they claimed that Meriwether had effectively, these are their words in their charges against him, effectively created a hostile environment. He created a hostile environment because he, 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 he just said, I can't look at this boy here who's terribly confused. He didn't say that, but he said, I can't look at this boy here and call him Sue or whatever. He said, I, my religious beliefs don't allow that. So the university slapped the, uh, the professor with a written warning in his personal file, threatened further corrective actions unless he used the student's pronouns, which he did not do. So anyway, this kid goes through all this. Well, the professor responded, of course, and the result. He did not ride off into the sunset, but he rather filed a lawsuit. He claimed that the school violated his First Amendment rights and his 14th Amendment right to due process. The suit was dismissed back in February in 2020 by a activist type. But it was revived again by the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in March of 2021, just a year ago. A three-judge panel has now written their unanimous opinion that Shawnee State University punished a professor for his speech. This is, I'm reading from their opinion, professor for his speech on a hotly contested issue. And it did so despite the constitutional protections afforded by the First Amendment. The district court dismissed the professor's free speech and free exercise claims. We see things differently and call for a reverse. Well, the institution of higher learning awoke from its slumber and uh, they said, well, you know, yeah, maybe the the professor was harmed and they immediately offered the professor $400,000 in damages not to continue suing them. And that was for damages and attorney's fees to settle the lawsuit. But there was more in their agreement which was just consummated. As part of the settlement, The university has agreed that Dr. Merriweather gets his job back and he has the right to choose, this is in writing, his right to choose when to use or avoid using titles or pronouns when addressing students. The significant part of this settlement is that Professor Merriweather will never again be mandated by that university to use pronouns, including if a student requests or demands pronouns that conflict with his or her biological sex. This uh, Travis Barnum, he's a lawyer. He's one of the many lawyers with uh, alliance defending freedom, ADF, I think most of you are familiar with that. They do a, a good work and a lot of work. Barham, Barham said this case forced us to defend what used to be a common belief, that nobody should be forced to contradict their core beliefs just to keep their job. He said, Professor Merriweather went out of his way to accommodate this this student and treat him with dignity and respect, yet the university punished him because he wouldn't endorse an idea that he believes to be false. And that's exactly what happened. Barham said, we're pleased to see the university recognize the First Amendment and that it guarantees Dr. Merriweather and every other American the right to speak and act in a manner consistent with one's faith and convictions. The Sixth uh, Circuit explained that if professors lacked free speech protections when teaching, a university would wield alarming power to compel ideological conformity. And that's exactly what's happening. They're defining what's happening in public education and private, for that matter, as the far left, the secular progressives, pull these institutions off the cliff. They're headed for disaster. And that the sixth court is recognizing that. They continue, and I'm quoting them, a university president could require a pacifist to declare that war is just, a civil rights icon to condemn the Freedom Riders, a believer to deny the existence of God, and a Soviet uh, emigre to address his students as comrades. That cannot be. That's the court speaking. I I suspect in this radical left world, a university could probably, I mean, really, outside of this ruling, They could force a Jewish professor to address a student as my fur or something, Hitler-like. I mean, it's amazing. We've lost our minds in this country. David Barton is with the Wall Builders, and I think many of you know he started. It's his organization that he started. I know David. He's published an excellent paper about what Thomas Jefferson really meant when he told the Danbury Baptists that there was a wall of separation between the church and the state. I would encourage you to read it. And I wrote an article today on our website, faithandfreedom.us, about this topic. I wrote more than I'm saying on the radio today. Sometimes I say more than I have written. But each day we publish an article. And in it, I have some quotes from Barton. I have some quotes from Thomas Jefferson. And there's particularly one part of it there. Thomas Jefferson is explaining to Noah Webster who wrote the dictionary, but he, Noah also started public education, kind of, I mean, it's evolved to something devolved to something that very different than what he had in mind. In fact, he thought the Bible really could be the only textbook, at least for a period of time, because it contains history and moral understanding and all these things. I mean, he, he, was, he did not advocate for what we have today, but he started public education. So, Uh, Jefferson explained to Noah Webster what he meant by this, and I include that in the article that I wrote today in his own words, which are they're kind of slow to read because they're not, not exactly the English we speak today, but very interesting. But Barton summarizes this by saying the separation phrase so frequently invoked today was rarely mentioned by the Founders, And he said every Jefferson's, even Jefferson's explanation of his phrase is diametrically opposed to the manner in which courts apply to it today. And that's true, except this, exceptionally, this court did. And they ruled in favor of this professor, who was absolutely right, according to our Constitution. Separation of church and state currently means almost exactly the opposite of what it originally meant. That's where we are in the world today. Good is called evil, and evil is called good. And a prophet speaking under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit thousands of years ago said that's the way it will be. Isaiah foresaw the future. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.